Welcome to episode two of the Motor City Gameworks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pinchback, and with me today are my good friends, design partners, and business partners, Mr. Matt Riddle and the good doctor, Adam Hill. What's up? The Reverend good doctor that's right the reverend doctor yeah that's right i know your denomination doesn't do the reverend thing but that's not going to stop me oh and and i i'm glad it doesn't yeah to me you're going to be the reverend (laughs) i want them all to call me the reverend yes we're going to put that on the box of three sisters and uh all the rest of the games we should all the ones you designed the reverend Reverend doctor (laughs) adam hill (laughs) so gentlemen between the last uh podcast and now we ran a little kickstarter and uh, apparently we have a live game company now. We do. And all we can say is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So for those keeping track at home, we raised $92,932 with 3,405 backers. Th- that's about what you guys were expecting, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I, never, I yeah. never know where the line is between false humility and you know, kind of just... Because I, you know, overall, I'm a pretty confident person. Like I've, I was raised to believe in myself, and you know, to not just undersell everything. But there is an aspect of you know being realistic, and I, I can tell everyone listening that we truly had so many conversations around what if we don't get to 500 backers, or what if we don't get to 600 backers? You know, do we where do we set our limits? Because we wanted to make sure that what we were doing made sense, and right. I think we felt like 800 backers was our legitimate. You know, that we had a good shot at that. And that was a fair, safe estimate that we could, you know, not only, for, frankly, from the perspective of making a game, but that we felt like we could generate 800 backers just based right. on our, our history, et cetera. So that's what helped us determine, you know, approximately where we were setting our funding goal. You know, that, of course, tied to our production costs, et cetera, around having to print minimum copy runs, et cetera. So we did spend a lot of time and effort stressing out over are we going to get the 800 or not? And we did. And that was awesome. Yeah, we did that in like three hours, and it blew us away. Because, like, like, like Matt said, you don't want to undersell because we firmly believed this. This is a great game, but at the same time, you don't want hubris. You don't want to be like, "This is going to be in the top ten on BGG within a week," because it's so great. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't want to over, uh, overdo it. And so, you know, here we were in our place trying to figure and factor, and we were just blown away by the support for this project and the love for this project. It was, I mean, it goes without saying, it's my favorite project I've ever been a part of. And me and Matt have been in a lot of Kickstarters and ones that have done very well, ones that have completely failed, and then ones that have limped. And I mean, quite honestly, the most stressful ones are the ones that limp and you're spending 21 or 28 days, like just hitting the pavement and come on guys, you know, let's get to 650 backers and just limp over that goal. And those are so stressful. I, I wouldn't say I'd rather fail because failing's the worst. We did it, you know, twice with monster trucks, et cetera. And that actually is the worst, but it's, it's so stressful when you're just trying to push to that goal. So to blow it out of the you know water day one was like, I, I honestly, None of us actually thought it was going to go that well. And we're so thankful to the community and everybody that showed up for it. I, th- I think it's me. I, I think, think I'm it is. the factor because I've only ever run wildly successful. Well, so speaking uh, of that. Kickstarter campaign. This, so, this you know, was your second course. This was your second Kickstarter. Uh, how'd it feel compared to Godspeed? Oh, it, it's still just so exciting. Um, you know, I, I know that it felt obviously... S- because Godspeed was my first game, there's a there is something incomparable about that because you don't know what to expect, and when you see it start going, and it's it's just thrilling. 
you know, and you're just happy because your your thing is going to be a real boy now, yeah. right? Like like Pinocchio is yep. actually going to exist and be a real boy, and you're excited. Well, with this, there was though a little of a different feeling that comes from being the publisher of it because this is not actually my design. You know, we've talked about this, but yeah. I believed so much in this game that I wanted to join the company to help make this game a reality, uh, and and so. I wasn't watching it in the same way as like, well, will this become a real boy? But at, at the same time, watching it and saying, is this project actually going to take off? So it's funny you say that, though, but that's that's how I feel about our company. Is this going to be an expensive experiment or is this company a real boy? Right, right, and right. And day one of the Kickstarter was like, all right, we got work to do because this company is now a real boy. We're watching it grow up before our eyes. Like. We're seeing people mention it's just, it's still kind of weird to me to see people even in previews and whatnot mention you know hey Motor City GameWorks and they're doing these things and people like attribute things to us that we haven't even done like, yeah like published Fleet Dice which we certainly did not do that was <laughs> Eagle Griffin Games I mean the general public doesn't super pay that close attention to publishers to be honest with you so like in the eyes of many of the 3400 backers like they kind of think we're already an established thing like they're they're not right. even really aware that this is our you know, living on a prayer moment and our, our first thing, they're just, you know, they're here because probably they liked Fleet Dice and it's another loaded roll and write and, and here we go. But they're they're giving us more credit than we probably deserve already. But it's pretty wild seeing it become a real boy. Yes. Right. No, it, it super is. And, you know, what's interesting about that, the company aspect is just the, the factor of, okay, so, you know, there's a little small piece of you that goes, well, you know, if this, you know, I think Ben and I call it limps, right? Because we've been through a lot of projects. You know, Adam's been through two successful ones. As Ben said, we've been through a variety of levels of success with different companies through Kickstarter. And some small piece of you goes, well, if this thing limps and we, you know, we do the 800 backers thing. Well, we got to print 2,000 and we're stuck with 1,200. We got to figure out what to do with. In Adam's we, basement. In Adam's basement. And we never do this again. I mean, frankly, right. right? What's the, I know that's not the attitude you're supposed to have. You're supposed to say, well, you're going to build off of that and do the next one. But I'm not sure that's how I felt, frankly. Right. Yeah, and right. Um, part of that's because of the fact that, I mean, and I say this with all, you know, humility and, and grace, but because we are successful designers, frankly, we don't have to do this in the sense that we could just sell games to publishers. Now that's not easy. You know, right. I'm not, mm-hmm. not claiming that we're the it best. certainly not. It's, it's hard still, but you know, and I feel all, like. And all those designers who are out there selling games to publishers, stay strong. It is. Like, keep it up. Y'all are awesome. It is. It's, it's hard to do. And I don't say that to say that it's like people just line up and take our games from us. They don't. We work very hard to get our games out there. But, you know, I'm saying we could have approached this differently, right, if, if folks didn't respond how we hoped they would. And I've, as I've said 800 times in, this, in my life, you know, no one knows nothing about nothing. And now that we're through it, you know, it does allow us the opportunity to do it again, and we want to do it again. So as we begin to actually now plan to the future of Motor City Gameworks, you know, the fact that we've got this base that Three Sisters provides us to do so is fantastic. I mean, just amazing. I'm, I'm very happy for us, but honestly, Matt, I'm most happy for you because, I mean, we make no bones about it, the amount of work that you did for this project, like the 30 preview copies that went out, all the business side of things, like me and Adam are handling things, but we're very open that you're a guy that makes stuff happen. And if we were gonna do, if we, air quotes, <laughs> we're gonna do that much work only to limp and make less money than we would have as a royalty just selling this design to a publisher, it would have been a pretty big disappointment. Sure. So seeing those efforts 
you know, come home and, and, and have a return and a future. And there's more games that we're going to be, you know, excited to do after this. And we're going to use it as a building block. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very exciting to me to see that all that effort and all that extra work, you know, it didn't go to waste. And right. It's true. I and appreciate I, that. I, I mean, we'll just save those, you know, limped home banners. We uh, will. That, that I, <laughs> you know, I dragged that kick, that tweet out of retirement. It's gold. Before the campaign, just in case. I wanted to, I wanted to set it up to be like, "Hey guys, yeah. I wasn't really kidding," you know, but I was. I, I didn't think we'd. Have if to anybody go there. didn't see it, it's you know, there's the banners that everyone says funded in 24 hours, you know, 300 percent funded in two days. Well, Matt was readying all these banners that said funded in 20 days, you know, 99 percent funded in three. We weeks. bought the last 12 <laughs> copies. Yeah. Right, all these uh, you know fake yeah. banners to run. Yeah, but thankfully we didn't need. We those did not ones. need those. So Matt. Yeah. Without specifics, mm-hmm. um, we have some partnership opportunities. We you do. Know, we've been, you know, I don't want to say how many, but there's been multiple mm-hmm. um, partners that approached us about um, U.S. and, and worldwide partnerships mm-hmm. on this game. So without specifics, because nothing is in stone, yeah. it appears Three Sisters is going to have a second life, a retail life. It's not yeah. just going to be Kickstarter and dead. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a life. Is anything you can say without being too specific? Yeah, so it, it's super awesome because... You know, we went into this as Ben kind of you know was alluding to, right? We knew we wanted this to be a business, and we understand what that takes to run this business. And there's a lot of work that you don't have to do as designers that we chose to do. But one thing we've been very strong on is that we were not going to turn into going to five shows a year, having a booth, and selling games to people individually. Not that we don't want to see the folks, but we just that is not how we want to spend our cons, and that's not something we decided we were going to do with Motor City GameWorks. So what that meant was every copy that isn't sold to Kickstarter. You know, we kept joking around it was going to end up in Adam's basement and then be sold through Amazon or a website or whatever. I don't and know how much of a joke that was. I mean, y'all, yeah. ever since Adam's basement was said once, I need you to know Adam's basement has been said a lot. So I don't, everyone listening, I don't know how much of a joke that was, but fair enough. Well, Go we've on. Got, we've got more games we'd like to publish. So plan A is going to continue yep. to be Adam's basement. Adam's right, basement. Until right. better plans come along. I mean, all games. good humor has a kernel of truth, my friend. That's right. But that said, what... You know what the success, frankly, has allowed us to do is look at partnership opportunities. So what that means is all of our Kickstarter backers are going to get the game with the Kickstarter exclusives, and they're going to get the stretch goals, and everything's going to be you know all packaged together, hopefully. And that will not be what ends up in retail. Right? Retail will be a retail version of the game. So the Kickstarter folks that were able to support us through that are going to get the only version of that game that's ever going to exist. Mm-hmm. So we're super excited about that. But what it does do is it allows us to potentially have that second life that comes with retail and distribution, you know, um, you know, with a, you know, another company involved, right? So there'll be two logos in the box, you know, the Motor City Gameworks plus X, whatever X ends up being, and also allows us to sort of leverage the fact that, you know, again, because this is our first game, we don't necessarily have the, the pre-built distribution network. Well, and, and that's the thing I just want to put in. Like we yeah. have friends that work in distribution. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to name drop, but we've got friends that they're, they're high up in distribution. They're very honest with it. Hey, we like you guys, but your company's brand new. I can't just buy 2000 copies from mm-hmm. you. That's not how it works. Exactly. Because and when, yeah. and when I countered, well, you could, <laughs> that didn't go very far. It didn't right. seal the deal. No, I was surprised. And I think the aspect of that is that, you know, as we've learned more about this, it's because all of the factors that go into distribution, right, is, is it's all risk-based. And that makes sense because that's what you know, Ben and I do in real life to some extent. 
until he became a super high-powered manager. But <laughs> Which means I don't do any actual work. <laughs> right. I just do all the BS. It's, exactly. It's way worse. But what the rest of us still do, I guess, is is understand that you've got to determine you know, how you're going to – because although they need to make money too, right? We're all here to make money. I mean, I don't know that we are, but those companies, they have to. That's how they survive. They pay employees. So I, I understand why they can't just say we're going to buy a 1,000 copies of your brand new thing. They need to have that backfilled line of things, and we're buying multiple product lines. And frankly, not to get too deep into it, <clears throat> but from a production perspective and from a freight perspective and a fulfillment perspective and a logistics perspective, all of that builds on itself. So right. partnering allows us to build off of somebody else's success, frankly. And you know, and I'll be honest, we're bringing something to the table as well. We're bringing a successful Kickstarter product. We're bringing, to some extent, right, our names, which have some limited value, but <laughs> some, and you know, a, a product that should do pretty well for somebody. So, I, I don't know that we've got it 100% figured out. To Ben's point, we've got a couple different options. It's going to just depend on you know, sort of the next couple of weeks as we make that decision, and it's going to be pretty exciting. So, yeah. the good news again for our Kickstarter backers is they're going to be they're going to get that Kickstarter version, and they're the only ones that are ever going to have it. And they're going to get it first, and then anything that comes after that will be a retail version, which is always you know, the case for most Kickstarters that are successful. They're going to have that second leg with retail. So, right. If you would have told me five weeks ago, hey, you can have 1,200 backers and guaranteed some sort of U.S. You know, afterlife distribution, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at 3,400 backers plus potential worldwide you know, reach. I mean, it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Absolutely fantastic. 3,400 backers. I know each of you are surprised. I mean, I was quietly hoping for about, you know, 50,000. I said, Matt, man, I think we can do it. You know, we've had fleet dice win, you know, around 50,000. Like I, I think we can do it. That was kind of my secret stretch goal. And I really appreciated the person, uh, the backer, you get those backers that come in and they're really supportive. And when the, I think it was on BGG, one person was like, uh, disappointed in the stretch goals, which is always kind of <laughs> right. funny, you know, out of 3,405 people, you're going to have like three people that are disappointed in something. And, uh, the one came in and they, they figured it out. They're like, listen, these guys plan stretch goals out to like 50 grand. There's no way they thought they were going to make <laughs> way more. They were like inventing stuff past that and we're like yes we were yes. <laughs> that's because that's how it works yep and it isn't again like we we keep talking about that and i think i hope this is relatable to folks because that balance between you know doing a legitimate forecast right and trying to figure out you know where you're gonna end up that's that's a business skill and we're, and we're all just guessing i mean everybody's guessing i don't care what what's your forecast a forecast is just a guess plus math and that math is based off a of guess which means it's only so good so we do some. We obviously tried to do forecasting. We tried to do planning. We tried to prepare everything that we would need for a successful campaign. And and Ben's completely accurate, right? We really sat here and went, I bet maybe we can get to fifty grand. And if we do, we should be prepared for that. And I'll be totally honest with you. You know, this is this is inside baseball, as they say. We did not want to do dice for a variety of reasons. <laughs> logistic reasons. Logistic, logistics, cost. There's a lot of risk. reasons that you can risk. screw them up pretty easy. Yep. There's a lot of reasons that dice aren't. That companies that with more experience can pull it off a lot easier than we could. So dice were scary, and we, but we when we got to fifty thousand and we knew we had room to go, we had to look at it. And that's what folks clearly wanted. They made that clear yep. in the comments and the feedback we were getting. So we we went back to the factories and began factory and began talking about what it would take to do dice. And it isn't that we didn't want to get actors what they wanted. It's just that we didn't know how to do it, frankly. And there was there was some you know internal risk there for us. So we planned out to fifty k, and we did it in a way that. You know, was the 
you know, the clearest path for us knowing that, you know, we were doing this for the first time. And now that we know what we're doing, right, it may allow us to be a little more creative on the next campaign, for example. But when we so quickly got to 50K and we knew we needed to do more, you know, that, you know, depends point, right? That the one backer and he, you know, that person, he or she was, you know, was not in any way being mean or rude or anything. No, they were saying, hey, you know, this, the, they're a little, they're a little less exciting than I'd prefer to see stretch goals be. Totally get it. That's legitimate feedback. Um, but that's because, you know, that's just what we knew we could pull off. Well, the you know? dice thing was pretty funny because it's like the meta game of why people enjoy Kickstarter and enjoy mm-hmm. backing is, hey, clearly these creators aren't like lining up to give us better dice. Right. But if, if we all go to the forum, you know, the, the comments and we lobby hard, we're going to get better dice out of these guys. And they did. And, and what's funny is for me, and, and, and here's the deal. For me, the dice in a game rarely make a difference. Now, if they're just junky, yeah, then yeah, it makes a difference. But standard dice are fine with me in most games, and so I was kind of. If you're wondering why there was a dragging of the feet, maybe blame me partially, and maybe some <laughs> others of us. In particular, there was one of us whose name rhymes with Ben, uh, <laughs> who also was with me. Like dice don't matter in this game. Like you don't need to know that they're swirly. Like that's not going to excite that many people. It did. And then they spoke, and then we we added the swirly dice, and people were juiced, and yeah. and it was awesome to see them get excited. And we were like, we were wrong, yeah. <laughs> and Matt got to say, and I was right. Well, it wasn't even. I wish I could take credit for knowing. It was just the best option that we had, you know, with what we could do. But yeah, I, I was. We had a whole conversation about, well, why are people going to care if it's plain orange versus swirly orange? Well, because swirly orange are more better. Like as it turns out, they're just more better. And that's you know. why Kickstarter's fun. Because right. you get in that momentum, you, you know, increase funds, make your voice heard. Right. You literally make the game better. You, you force the publisher's hand and you it, just keep making the game better. It make does. the game better. Add more things. Here's a mini expansion. Here's it, an upgrade to the mini expansion. Exactly. And, and we just, looked into all of the suggestions that we heard and, and, and some of them we couldn't do. Yeah. Right? Like we couldn't do the dry erase boards. Right. Yep. I just mean, there was cost. just no way just to cost. make that $29 price point. Right. With those boards, and that's just yeah. it. Exactly, and that, that's a great point too. And we're just three guys trying to figure this out, right? We're sitting there going, "Orange dice? What's up with swirly dice? They're like, the swirly dice or whatever." And then you guys are like, "No, they're worse. Orange, <laughs> orange dice are worse." So we're like, "Why? Because they're worse. Orange dice are as good as swirly dice. They're, they're not. They're, they're not. They're worse." <laughs> so, and here we are. We got awesome swirly dice because they're so, more better. Are we allowed to say what's next in the line? Are we going to be super secretive with Motor City Gameworks? Are we going to be like, hey, upcoming announcement in two weeks? Or I mean, are we just going to talk about what's coming? Cause... It's got some views on the BGG page, so it's not a <laughs> secret. Uh, I mean, I don't think we've done anything in regards to, you know, we don't, we don't have anything to show or, or specifically, yeah. but I mean, there's been enough folks that have played it and it's got a BGG page already. So I've had this theory for a long time that lines of games have a following, more so than publishers and designers that a line of games has a following. So, and I think you would all agree with me that, you know, leaning on from the designers of Fleet Dice, the next roll and write, I think that was pretty key to the success of mm-hmm. the, probably, if I had to say, I'd probably say more than anything, being associated 100%. as the next follow on to that successful game was right. was key to the success. Um, 100%. Way more than being Matt, Ben, and Adam. Like, yeah. yep. you know, to use a, a coaching basketball term, if me and Matt just show up with a, a card game and roll out the basketballs, you know, we might get a couple hundred people. I think that's kind of our, our low baseline, you know, whatever. We're going to bring a couple hundred people. 
we're not bringing 3,400 people. That was right. Makers of Fleet Dice, next roll and right, blah, blah, blah. So that idea of a line of games kind of kind of worked out. That's what we were hoping to do. And we're kind of leaning into that. So for the short term and, you know, the next, I would say, couple of years is pretty safe to say, mm-hmm. as Matt always says, until people don't want them anymore. Um, we're looking at these loaded rolling rights and we love making them and people love playing them. So, uh, what's next guys. And, and we're not saying next, like next month, but we're probably legitimately looking at next year where, you know, we yeah. got into this thinking probably yep. one a year to start maybe two a year if it gets crazy. But for now the plan is probably one a year. Yeah. So what are we looking at next guys? So I think we, you know, to, as Ben was saying, right. Our, our plan as it stands is, you know, every call it every spring, late winter, and if we get to the point where we're doing every eight months, potentially, or whatever it might be, then we'll do that. But as we look ahead, you know, we've got a pretty solid plan. The next game is going to be Motor City by Motor City Gameworks. <laughs> uh, but the reason that's awesome is because Ben and I have been talking about for years. The idea to make, you know, and, and this isn't, it's not a joke, right? To make an engine building game about making engines. Boom. You know, and it's, and, you know, frankly, Ben and I grew up in Detroit and we, you know, I worked for GM, suppliers, et cetera. Ben was always sort of a little bit off automotive, but you know, we, we grew up in an automotive engineering area. And all of our buddies and cohorts from school, all you know, they all, they all work for the big three or suppliers thereof. So it is literally a engine building game about a roll and a loaded roll and ride about an auto an auto plant. Yeah. So Adam, facility. you actually took on the role of Ben this time and came to Matt and I with 60-70% of this thing done. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your process on getting started on it and kind of what inspired you to uh, work on Motor City? Um, well, it kind of goes back to, uh, once again, we're trying to not simply make traditional roll and rights. We're trying to make Euro games uh, that use roll and write as a mechanism. And so took some inspiration from some of my favorite games uh, that were sort of there's multiple things that you need to be thinking about and working on. And then uh, how do you come up with a clever action selection system that incorporates the dice, but also incorporates the multiple facets of what you're trying to do, whether or not it's engineering or um, manufacturing or uh, test driving and development, you know, kind of the, and then the research side and then the sales side, like that merges, there's, there's these different action paths that you can take and you merge that with the roll and write mechanism. And that, and that, that was really kind of what, what pulled Motor City into existence because it was, it was this really fun action drafting system that we hadn't used yet. What is it about the test track that's so dang fun to check boxes around a test track? Like I, I literally don't understand when I'm playing it. I have so much fun checking the test track off. Right. And it's just another box on another score sheet. But for some reason in that moment, mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden so thematic that I, I'm like on a test track, even though yeah. I just put an X and, in the and, box. And there's three different te- test tracks. And, and with every action, there's a way to improve your ability at that particular action. And so you may be at the third level of the test track action. And so you get to move three spaces around the tech test track, whereas Matt may only get to move one space. And so he's like, I don't want to take the test track action because that's my that's my my dump action. Uh, but his engineering scores are through the roof. And so he wants to he wants to do the engineering thing. Uh, it, it's just super fun to watch as you can kind of develop and shape what your path to victory is going to be uh, along this by getting everything right in the boardroom, uh, which is kind of where you go to select your actions uh, with the dice. And then also uh, just the way the dice themselves interplay in the game, uh, yeah. because there's a really neat action selection system that 
was inspired by some of our favorite designers. And we tried to say, how can we do what they're doing with cards, uh, but with dice? Yeah. And how can we make this function and happen in this way? And we're really excited with the way that that has come together. It, to me, it, it, what's interesting about with reason designing with partners is awesome, right? Is I because again, you know, I joke around all the time that I don't generally have ideas. I but I'll have ideas that go on top of other ideas. And you know, as Ben said, right, a lot of times it's him, and this time Adam was kind of the, the Ben. And what's fun about Motor City was, you know, and I want to make sure that you know everyone listening gives you credit for this. You had a game there right that first night that you showed it you know i think it was just me that first time and you you had a game and it, it had that interplay that you're talking about where the zones were lining up with each other and i had i took something that i had worked on for a completely different game that never went anywhere and all that all i was doing all i brought to the table was just a way to sort dice frankly right mm-hmm. it was just a way to generate you know we kind of it's generating your action pool and that's kind of what we did in three sisters using the rondelle and the right. East Behan kind of deal where you're sorting dice by number. So I had this action pool idea that by itself is nothing. It's just a, you know, we kind of jokingly call it the action chart, currently what we've been calling it. But that'll you know, sell games. Yeah, the action, the chart, action you know, chart. The action matrix. The action um, matrix. So whatever we're going to call it, it's the boardroom. I think the, the boardroom is where we're at right much now. Much better. So that individual idea by itself, you know, was, was just a thing. And to be able to attach to something that already existed. And then, to your point, Adam, right, I think that very first night, you had this idea on how to make the, the actions interlinked, and then combining with the action selection that we came up with, that, that action matrix, allowed, you to, allowed us to create that sort of idea that one die is generating literally four things, you know, so right. your interplay, well, five things, really, so your interplay is that the die you're choosing gets you a bonus, and a main action, and a secondary action, and, and then that, that tick on your track is getting you another, I mean... One die pull, and that's the thing, like so much that people love about Three Sisters is the one die pull is triggering multiple decisions, and it's it's a little agonizing when you're planning, but when like when it all lines up and you get that beautiful mm-hmm. mind moment, and you pick right. the one die and it does like the three things that you want, it feels so good. And right. there's so many different ways to do that with the dice and the paper, and we're just you know scratching the surface and discovering. We keep calling them action selections, but just new ways that a simple pick of a die can lead to so many different decisions and mm-hmm. in those beautiful mind moments. Exactly, and that I mean that's that's what I mean, and and the way the way that they integrate is really the fascinating part because it becomes uh, it, it's such an interesting game. It's just an interesting collection, uh, 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 the way that it all works together. And and the thing is, the people that have played it, you know, keep coming back and saying. This just feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this just has an awesome feeling to it. Like it's the ramp is just, I don't know. It's, it's just right. And so we, we, we're really excited about motor city. Yeah. And I wasn't joking the other day. I was telling somebody that maybe was on Twitter, but the, the thematic ability of a rolling right to just get you into the theme. You'd never think that just dice drafting and checking boxes off could be thematic, but there's just some ability to make a track or make an area that you're checking off. And I think it's what we were talking with um, Renegade on the radio show the other mm-hmm. night. And Amanda McKnight called it the mood. And I've never heard it said that way, but that's exactly the best way I've ever heard it right. described as you're not, you're not simulating a ride around the trest track. 
But the mood and the feel of the test track is there because you start out a little slow. Oh, one box on the test track, mm -hmm. one box. But then if I commit to that action, I'm getting three box. I'm zooming around it. I feel like I'm zooming around a test track. And just the ability to do that with dice and boxes and make people feel like they're pulling wax out of a, a beehive or pulling honey out and type mm -hmm. of thing or, or harvesting a bean and getting a casserole dish or being in the boardroom and engineering and going to the factory and the way those interact. Like, I think what it is is the the um, the way the system relies on other parts. We have, you know, these loaded roll and writes have two sheets and, and we use this tiny font and we pack a lot of information. <laughs> mm -hmm. And one area of the sheet sends you over there on that other area on the sheet, which sends you over there. So you're like mentally traversing and it feels good to get all this free stuff over there, which gives you the free stuff over there. And it's just super fun. So right. And, and at the same time, they're each unique. Yes. Right. right. It's not simply retheming fleet dice. Yeah, which I I never responded to that comment because it's just a throwaway comment. But I, every time I read, oh, this is like a re Three Sisters is a re-implementation of fleet dice. I'm like, no, but it's a successor. But it's a, but it's a progression. It's yeah, a progression. it's a progression. But yeah. but they it has its unique action selection system, completely different from right. Right. fleet dice. And Motor City is doing the same it's a completely different action selection system yeah. than either of the other two and the way that the things interact it's not it's not as combolicious as three sisters but at the same right. time it's got a little more of an engine build to it yeah so if you're listening to this you're, you're theoretically interested in what we have to say <laughs> and, I, and here's here's my legitimate take on the progression of the games so what's interesting was is i was telling ben the other night that I was putting into BGG about to add a series called Load and Roll. Right? Well, what I found out is that it requires a minimum of three games, but have to have an implementation with the same publisher. So we're not quite ready yet to launch the Load and Roll and Write series because Fleet Dice doesn't have a Motor City Gameworks version. No big deal, but we'll get there. So as we, but it's still the it's the it's the grandfather or the you know the the parent of the series because. If you once you get to play Three Sisters, and I know we've played it a hundred million times, but you've most of you folks haven't yet, you'll feel the bones of Fleet Dice. And that's on purpose, right? We wanted to take the pieces of Fleet Dice that we loved and change it a little bit in the sense that there's a new action selection with the rondelle and there's, you know, the way things work in the, you know, the the, the fields with the corn and the beans and the pumpkins is, you know, adjacent to fishing, but different. But in you know, there's the combos are very high in Fleet Dice and very high in Three Sisters. And you'll feel, you know, that we built off of Fleet Dice in a positive way with Three Sisters. Motor City doesn't. And, and I don't mean that as a negative thing. It's not the combo-tastic just explosion in the way that Fleet Dice and uh, Three Sisters are. It's the individual selection of an action that waterfalls into this one die, like we said, right, is going to do, no exaggeration, five base things you know, to start your turn, and then you're going to earn all the other little pieces that come with the fact that that check got me a free thing over here, that added me a thing here, and then you improve those actions over the course of the game, and you you basically have your, you know, your four and five, really, main actions, and you're making them better over the course of the game. So yeah, I don't now know if that I... was a Adam original or if that was part of Matt's system, but that's one of my favorite parts of Motor City is... It, the, the replayability of, hey, what if I level up the test track action this time? What mm -hmm. if I go heavy this other action? But mm -hmm. getting better versions of the actions and, frankly, the way they will unlock is really fun. Right. So as we think to the future of the Loaded Roll and Write series and Motor City Gameworks, we need to make sure that we're doing things differently. And at some point, you know, maybe someone won't like one of them. <laughs> 
it happens. But you know what we want to make sure that we're doing is yeah, we're not giving you Fleet Dice 2.0. It's really truly. I would say if I was to describe Motor City specifically, it is the most Euro of them so far. In the sense that you know, as much as we talk about encapsulating a strategic or Euro game experience in a roll and write setting. Uh, Motor City probably does that the most in the sense that it is it feels like a Euro game that happens to be implemented via a roll and write. Right. That if you like games like Newton or Alma Mater or, you know, uh, things like that, then this is it, this is going to, I think, have those kinds of feelings. Yeah. So um, and we're developing quite a little backlog here, guys. So uh, there, there's no shortage of ideas on the <laughs> exactly. loaded, loaded roll and write. We have front. we have a prototype or that's two right. right in front of us right now. We have that's right two three. We have the next three in <laughs> eyesight of our microphones. Yeah, they're gonna have to knife fight it out, I guess. Over yeah, the next couple we're gonna of have years. to. Motor City's definitely next. Absolutely. After that, we'll have to kind of see. There's some you question know. marks. So we'll have decisions to make on on what type of risk to take. And yes. it's what Matt just said. How how they're all going to be great or they'll go away. We were just talking about that the other night. Like we're not going to pursue games that aren't good. So anything we pursue is going to be great by the time we play it for a whole year and hundreds of plays. But it's going to be how big of a, a thematic you know, or mechanical risk do we want to take um, for our line, do mm-hmm. we want to go for another Euro-based one, another engine-building one? Do we want to just go left field and you know go for? I'll, I'll just say it: go for a train one. You know, one of the ones we're working on is a train one. Do we want to do that? When when will be the right time, if ever, to, to take that risk where people might just be like, you know, I love these guys' games, but I don't really want the train one. Or hey, I've been waiting for something totally different from these guys. I'm interested to see what they do in that space. Like those will be big decisions. Mm-hmm. Like not that Motor City is a, a, a a gimme, but we know that'll be the next one. Yep. Right. That decision is made. But after that, there's going to be pretty big decisions coming. Right. I, I, because Motor City, though, I'm confident that I, as I sit here today and you're listening to me talk, if you liked Fleet Dice and you will like Three Sisters, you will like Motor City. I can't promise that you'll like the train game. I love the train game, but right. I love I love it because it's so different from the other three. Yeah. And actually, you know, just again, this is so far away, no one's going to remember this, but French Quarter. Yeah, is interesting because it does a little bit of the things that you've seen in Fleet Dice and Three Sisters, but it does it with a you know a bit of a spatial element that no, those games don't have, right? And it does it in a new way. And then we've got Durango, uh, which the, is a whole another. We're, we're calling it Durango right now. <laughs> yes, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's just a working title. Yeah, you know, it's, but it's it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, again, I know this is funny because you guys, you know, you folks listening will know what we're talking about here, but that's not the point. The point is that we have enough of these to go for a while and we're going to keep plugging away and keep giving it a shot and at some point maybe we'll have to decide listen you know this one's too far outside of the load of roll and write series maybe we try to go with a publisher partner on that one instead and we'll have to make those decisions yeah. and maybe they maybe they don't come to life at all because folks don't want them who knows yeah. but we're going to keep making them and we're going to keep trying to and we said that to on the first podcast um we're always going to be able to design games faster than we can publish them through Motor City Gameworks. Yeah. So it's very probable that one of our homegrown games that's intended for Motor City, we just license it to somebody. I mean, mm-hmm. that right. would absolutely... I would be surprised if that doesn't happen. Because the three of us, our number one hobby is playing games and making games. Like yep. That's what we think about. That's what we do. We're so passionate about it. All we want to do is make games. Mm-hmm. And we're right now we're publishing one a year. So... If we have two great games and one makes a little more sense for Motor City, we are absolutely going to sell that other one to a publisher if we can. We'd be crazy not to. Um, we just love making games. Exactly. Speaking of which, 
Adam, I'll put you on the spot. I, you know, normal people, that would be enough, you know, but I'm just going to straight up ask you, what else you've been working on? Um, okay, I've got a game about, um, it's a Euro game, it's a worker placement game that's kind of midweight, and it's about, it's called Wizards, um, well, it's called um, Ye Old Magic Shop now. Originally, it was Wizards for Hire. Is that the one where you can be Carl? Uh, Kevin. Kevin, that's right. But yes. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> that's the best pitch joke. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to be funny for radio, but I'm just going to ruin the joke. Anyway. Right. But it, it, it's all these characters yeah. that are uh, very uniquely named so that, you know, Yumi is the water mage and Ignus is the fire mage and Jord is the earth mage. And you can be Kevin, who is the <laughs> alchemist. Uh, and it always works. And I have, I have yeah. a really good friend, Kevin. Shout out to Kevin. Yep. Uh, who you, Kevin. makes an appearance in every game, uh, almost. And so uh, Yield Magic Shop is a worker placement game where you wizards are great. Wizards can go and save the world, and they go on epic journeys, and they lead quests, and they fight dragons, and you're not that kind of wizard. <laughs> you are working at ye old magic shop downtown, com, you know, creating spells like summon burrito, uh, <laughs> which is a, a, a critical spell. Uh, you need that one in your arsenal, locate car keys, fold laundry, <laughs> you know, the, the daily spells that people want. Those uh, are great spells. You're making those uh, in order to keep the, yeah, you're doing business in order to keep the customers happy. And so uh, you want to do some, there's some contract fulfillment. Uh, there's some really cool worker placement stuff um, where you have a team of people. There's you, the wizard. There's also some apprentices and there's also some novices and you can use them and they have different levels of efficacy or ability. Like the novice is not very good. So he may only give you one thing if you send your novice out to a work spot. Whereas if you sent your apprentice, you'd get two things. Or if you sent your wizard, you can get three things, you know, because you're better at it than they are. But then there's this shady, the, the shoddy work closet that is awesome where your apprentice will go in to help you complete spells and kind of may get them wrong. But as long as no one notices, then you're fine. I was going to ask if shoddy work was still in there because oh, that, yeah. that was my favorite part of the game. It's it's fantastic, uh, and and you know, and the shop itself has some magical qualities that when you use key, when you use keys, they generate certain resources that are special. And when you need to go into a room that someone else is in, you need a magical cat with you. Uh, <laughs> and so there's just little different things that that make it kind of a special game. It's a unique game, and so I've worked on that for the last year and a half, two years, and it's really reached a place where it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being able to show it to folks. Unfortunately, like most big Euro games, it's really hard to pitch them on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. Because it, it between reading all the little pieces and all the stuff on your player mat and that's on the board and trying to, you don't know if you're having fun. Yeah. You're just trying to make the thing manipulate and do what it's supposed to do. And so I kind of can't wait to let people actually see it. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been working on that. And then uh, I have another design partner that I work with, Clayton Hargrave. And Clay, uh, Clayton and I are still working on uh, Druids, uh, the corruption cycle, and it's coming together really well. And so we're looking forward to finishing that project. And then... Uh, are you guys going to be ready to show that by fall if, you know, God willing, if conventions happen in whatever, September, October, if we all get to go to one, are you guys going to be ready to lug that around? Um, yes. And, and the goal with that one, see, right now we're ready to, we're already ready to show it because it's a, it's a chapter game. It's a story game right. with seven chapters chapter. and we, well, 
we can sell the first, well, technically we can show you the first four chapters. Yeah. They're all completed. The fifth one is almost done. And then we know what the story is for the other two. We just have to finish the math and the testing. Um, and so we took a break during COVID uh, for some family reasons. Uh, yeah. But it, it, there are that project that I'm working on. And then another one that I made with y'all that uh, the Shadow King, the Rise of the Shadow King. Got to find a home for that. We got to find a home for it. That it's also a Euro worker placement kind of thing. Uh, but it's been super fun as well. Yeah. yeah. And then Matt and I, we, we also are investigating this idea of, you know, kind of Rosenberging ourselves, which is going into your back catalog and taking some old mechanisms or a game that you loved that maybe didn't hit like you wanted and taking its essence and kind of re-spinning it. And uh, we're kind of doing one of those together, aren't we? Yeah. It's like saffron or what do we call on that? Jasmine. 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 Okay. That's it. <laughs> Insert generic flower name here. Yes. That's Jasmine. Cool. Yeah. So Jasmine, I'm excited. I know because we kind of got distracted by three new rolling right ideas. <laughs> but yeah, so Jasmine is literally me going, hey, Adam, you played Morocco. What if it was more better? <laughs> <laughs> and... We took a tackle at it, and I really like where it's at. And, you know, I think that's probably, you know, we, we, what we need to figure out is, does anybody want a 60-minute abstract euro from us? Maybe they don't, but we're going to give it a shot because there's something figure there. Figure out how it has glass tiles. I keep saying that, right? right? Is that to make, mean, it, make it pretty? Make and it, is, it is so much prettier. Yes. It's got a chance the, to be a good product. The table is presence is just is, is, is awesome. Yeah. And so if we, if we can, and we've got... Most of it ironed out to where it plays really smooth, really fun. There's not much downtime at all between turns. Mm -hmm. Like it's like it, 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 everything's working rightly, and so we're just kind of that last. That, we just gotta figure and out. I know, and and those of you who are designers will understand this. The last five percent is like eighty percent of the work. Yeah, um, yeah. we're in that last five percent to it, try and really take it to that. I was going to say, I, I think if it's if it's you know again talking about games that people aren't playing, but. If it has something that's missing, right, it has a little bit of the moment issue. Right. You, know, you can have a really good, solid 60-minute experience, but did you have a moment you remembered? And I'm not sure it has that, or if it does, we're still looking for it. So, But we'll get there. You know, and I think you know, if we can switch quickly to games that you can play pretty soon, uh, I wanted to say to Ben, because this was really awesome, and you know, I, I talk about all the time how you know, Ben and I have jobs, you know, and we do this because we want to. And we don't do this for a living because we have jobs and families and, and kids and expenses, et cetera, and great lives that I have no regrets on. But one of the things that I saw today that I had not seen was that Sebastian got a BGG page. And the first thread in Sebastian was, hey, you know, these guys are some of the best card game designers out there. Oh, wow. And I'm really excited about this. How much is it, basically how much is it, you responded, how oh, yeah, much yeah, is yeah, it like yeah. stellar, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, it was I just this, you know, this, this person on BGG just, Giving us a compliment, which I, you know, I, I we don't know who this person is, or just some random person who yeah, likes our card that. games. That made me feel really good. Yeah, too. I realize it, I realize there's some there's some card games out there that are really really special. Mm -hmm. Okay, like I've played Arboretum, I've played Parade, oh, I've 100%. played some of those that are just phenomenal. But as far as, and this is not me just blowing smoke. This is this is not just because y'all y'all are my friends. This is this is legitimately, y'all are the consistently best in my book at coming up with unique, interesting card games. And I am not good at coming up with card <laughs> games. We've talked about it's this. It's been well established. It's well established. I struggle at that. Now you want, you want a heavyweight Euro come to me. Let's talk about integrating systems. But as far as just a hook in a card game, y'all do so well at finding that hook and then making it so interesting to play and so fun to play. Y'all are the best at it consistently game in, game out. Well, Thanks, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. that. 
we need to probably be still, you know, self inflating or whatever the word. Is. I'm not. I'm not trying. <laughs> we're going to be like tired of by the end of this. Yeah. Like, geez, these jackets. This Come mutual on. admiration society yeah, we have yeah, here, but no, but, for real. But that, listen, I do appreciate that, and, and to you know, like I was, I said that to Ben because, see, see, I mean, it just makes you feel good, and I really appreciate that this random BGG user, you know, posted a, a thread well, just it, to. It makes you feel good because we make card games because we love them. Yeah, because we love playing them. Yep. Um, number one, we we just love playing them and we love making them. We're never going to get rich off a of card game. No. I mean, we're not going to get rich off most of this, but if we were ever going to get rich, it's not going to be off a of card <laughs> game. Every time we spend, I mean, it takes it takes a year, it takes two years. I mean, it takes the whole cycle to make a good card game. You it have does. to play it incessantly. Um, you know, when we were working in person, we would play every day at mm-hmm. lunch. Yep. So we've got, you know, hundreds of plays of these games. But the whole time we're doing that, we know we're not going to be making tens of thousands uh, of dollars on any of these card games. Nope. So we just do it because we love it. And having people enjoy them, is right. the payback it, it's and, and the seven hundred dollars every six he's going to say right and every <laughs> every quarter we get a check for a couple hundred dollars to split yeah and and all jokes aside right i mean like i probably our you know for the next you know we, we have sebastral which is what i was alluding to right that comes out in june i think and that's our you know follow-up to stellar and it's you know it's uh pre-order now from renegade games pre-order now from renegade games it's also uh for those of you that are familiar with river valley glassworks it is the the themed and released version of that. So, but I mean, really, we've got you know. Besides, and that's that, my favorite. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know, I've, I know. Okay, I get it. There's peat mots. There's, there's, there's so many good ones. But River Valley Glassworks is actually my favorite so that I've played of y'all. So I, I'm looking forward I love to you, Sebastian, my brother. I love you, and you're not alone in that. I think Dustin feels the same way. Which yeah. Dustin Schwartz, our friend, and that's great to hear because you know the difference with something like Sebastian than say even Stellar, right? Is that it's a little more chill. And that can go either way, frankly, right? Because you know, Stellar and even Pete Mott's, um, you know, you're gonna set into it, and then it's gonna you're gonna go, oh, and your brain's gonna hurt for a second, and then you're but you're gonna remember the fact that your brain hurt. It's a little more subtle, if I'm being honest, in Sebastian, right? Like you can pr- you can play Sebastian and not engage the game all that well, but it's going to you know I'm gonna say kind of like Parade in that way, like it, it you're gonna get the play, and you may not play well. And you're going to think nothing happened because you didn't engage at a level that required to play successfully. And that's a little bit of a risk sometimes in card games because people are going to go, oh, that was going to run around. You know, I didn't make any yeah. decisions. Well, you didn't because you play a card, take cards, and it's going to happen automatically even if you're doing it poorly. So my hope is that you know, at, with repeat plays especially that people will be able to see you – know, because I, I truly do. I love Sebastian as well. Uh, you're hoping love, that people find the clever bit. Yes, the, right. it's, it's a little the, less the, obvious. The game will play itself, and you'll you'll achieve a baseline score, but right. you're not going to excel if you don't find the clever right. bit. So you're hoping people right. find the clever exactly hundred percent because you you need to dig a little deeper, you know, past that first level with Sebastian. Like again, Stellar hits you in the face. He must have hit yeah, you in the face. If you don't do the clever thing in those games, you just right. lose. You're not playing. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to do clever thing even to do a thing. Yeah. Like you can't even take your turn without understanding the clever yeah. bit. I was actually very happy with how Stellar was received long term because that's exactly it. The smoke can come out of the ears real early. Right. But you can you come know, right in. I have this new theory I just thought of. The less players in a game, the more you're allowed to do that to mm-hmm. people. Because the solo crowd is super willing to have yep. tons of rules and rules overhead. And like they're just, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. They're there for it all. Yep. And two-player games are kind of the same. You can do more thinky, more you know, punch-you-in-the-face type. It, like The more players you add, it's almost like the, the lighter you, you kind of right. naturally right. get. There's a, there's a, you're allowed to be a little more obtuse. 
Yeah. It, it's solo and, and even and two, two player. player. Yeah. Because like the setup of uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Like, right. <laughs> I was telling that is like the greatest two player game of all time. But can you even imagine if the one of the three of us brought that to design night? Be like, get out of here, monkey. Right. Like, all right, come back in 10 minutes. The game will be set up. And we got to do this three times. Right. Are you joking me? Then we're going to take what a are you break. What are doing? How do you even make that third <laughs> round shape? I don't even understand. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to get a snack it. while you set up the yeah. third round of the middle in the game. Oh, by the way, it's literally the greatest two player game of all time because it's it awesome. Is. It's it is so good. Because yeah. that's why Bows is a genius. I lose at that game on BGA. Board Game Arena more than any other game. Really? And I feel like I'm not bad at it, but I can tell you from record, if you are what your record says you are, that's right. I am very bad at that game. <laughs> I am worse than I think I am. It is kind that they only let you get as low as average Yes. on BGA. <laughs> because my ranking would be lower than average if it were my record. Since we're probably talking about a game people actually might know. The knife fight, when you see the card that's going to win them, like especially in the third round, like if they're need they need one more tech or one more military, and you're like, okay, if I go here, they go there. I go here, they go there, because if at that point all of your double turns are gone, right? You've burned through your yeah, wonders. Yeah, the double turns are aces, but they're them gone because if right. you don't use them early, you only get three wonders, exactly. and the other guy gets so four. So the third that's round, how's this so freaking good? It is in the third round. So those are gone. So you're like, okay, I got to go here. And if they go there and then I go here, then they don't get that card. But if one of those two is a military, then I lose anyway. Because, you know, at that point, you know, if you're, if you're losing to the guy with the guy or the lady or the person with military or tech, it's because you've got more victory points probably. And they've leaned into that thing. And it's just, oh, gosh. See, so if good. we made that game, even if we got past that on Ruli setup and got the whole thing, would one of us thought to have been like, no, 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 uh, only one, one guy gets four wonders and the only other one gets three. Just to force you to waste them early when right. you don't really, it's not optimal to use them. I'm going to say it's because he goes, wait a minute, it's called seven wonders. You can't uh-huh. build eight wonders. Yeah. And then it just also was an awesome game decision. Yeah. Love it. All right. All right, Adam. I got another uh, design question for you. What's the best Beatles album? Abbey Road. <laughs> All right, so tell me this. This might be a slam dunk for you or others, but I was thinking of this on the way over here. If there was only five songs allowed from each, Elton John or the Beatles? Only five. They, they only get the best five songs. I already know Matt's answer to this. Matt they doesn't like either. They both are yeah. the worst. This is See, what Adam, Matt does. Adam brings music. some culture and some, you know, some, some class to Motor City Game Wars. This is why I like having you around. Wow. I can't even okay. name five Beatles songs. See, see, I think Elton John is so top-loaded that he can compete if, if you only go what, top five. What you just said to me, Matt, is like Taco Bell's your favorite Mexican food. Is what I just heard you say. Taco Bell's you, delicious. Well, it's so Whatever. good. There'd be no fleet without Taco Bell. That's <laughs> well documented. All right, hold on. I can go Rocket Man and the Candle Song for Elton John. What else we got? Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Honky Cat. Benny and the Jets. Benny and the I Jets. I know Benny and the Jets. Yep, got me there. Rocket Man. I already said, said that one. That. Okay. But that, okay, but that's five. And that's a, but I haven't heard of two of them. That's because you're an uncultured swine. <laughs> well, sure, but I'm just saying. So I mean, like, that, that, like, like I think it's I not name, my fault that you don't listen, know I'm good not songs. I'm questioning Your song, your song. This is your song. You know that? I don't that's, know. That's he's, listen, I, I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting it's, he's amazing. It's a, it's a dynamite top five. It is. It's I, a dynamite top five. You, but boy, oh, boy, those two, those two artists... Band. We'll do Scott. I, okay, we'll do if Scott, I'm going top five, three, if, right, if I'm going top five, Brunch. this is easy. Uh, Beatles. Okay, I'm still going Beatles. Okay, that's good. I, I thought I might have a shot if I limited it to top five, but that's good. That's good to hear. What's your favorite Beatles song? Give me just one. Ooh, that's so hard to choose. Here comes the sun. No. Yeah, all day. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, it's, it's a good song. I don't know that I'd say it's the best. 
Um, man. Okay. Come on. 10 seconds. Oh, geez. This is so hard. We're making a radio show. Come on. I know it's a radio show. Um, okay. If I'm going to choose, uh, 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 my number one Beatles song, uh, right off the top of my head and I just have to stick with it for good and I'm just buying time. Yeah. It's going to be probably, there is a medley on Abbey road that includes, uh, sexy Sadie. Sexy Sadie is probably my favorite and without it, there wouldn't be Radiohead's karma police. Okay. And if you've never listened to those two back to back, just listen to them back to back. You're welcome. That's why Spotify exists. I can uh-huh. make that happen. Um, go ahead and listen to that. Uh, Sexy Sadie's amazing. Um, I would say there is um, the. There's a long answer so to heavy. a short question. She's so heavy is just an incredible song. Um, Did you pick one, or are we just listing songs we like now? I'm just listing songs until okay. I can. Let me All pull right, up a fired. list, and I'm good. Uh, give fired. me a moment. No, no, no. Okay. You think about that, Matt. I'm going to go on to you. Are we allowed to talk about our secret card game that's coming out later this year? Not openly, right? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But we're in for a pretty good year, you know, Matt and Ben. Uh, Wait, wait. The cards come out this year? Yeah. You know, the kind of a seasonal thing, you know, that is that still a big secret, right? That's that's not announced in any way. Oh, oh, just need just to say we got another card right. game coming out. We have, yeah, not we've been got announced yet. That one it probably can't talk much about it, but yeah, there should be a late in the year, yeah, like a fourth quarter, yeah, third I, quarter I would say card it's, game. From it's us. a disappointingly Matthew Light, yeah, card I'm really game. excited about it. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny because you're talking about card games and our. You know, if we can look ahead three years <laughs> or two or three years, our biggest project to date is is a card game, uh, and it's you know still early enough on that you know who knows when it's going to happen or what's going to happen, but it's pretty crazy, and you know the we're doing a thing and it's with other people now, other designers, and it's you know a, a gigantic deal from a perspective of uh, whatever, uh, just branding. Yeah. So that'll, you know, but it's kind of funny how game design works. You put in all this work and then you see the results like three years later. Exactly. So all these, like we're kind of coming into a nice, you know, uh, not a windfall. We've got a nice mm-hmm. lineup coming in the next year yeah. and a half, two years. And that's all cause we did all this great work like three years ago. Right. It's <laughs> true. It's such a delayed gratification <laughs> in game design, but, um, and sleepy hollow should be slip, you know, shipping sleepy uh, hollow this summer. I can't wait for that one. Late summer. Can't that wait. has a shot of being big. I mean, it, it could does. go well. No, who it, knows? Dude, it's been I five mean, years. I mean, why not? It's been a long time coming and we have got, you know, it's, it's got a chance to be a big deal. So Adam, I'm just letting you off the hook there now. No, 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 no. Because I've got it now. Oh, okay. Uh, now probably that number one. No, I just had to look at some titles. Number one is Hey Jude. Oh, uh, hey probably Jude. for me. Yeah, I'm out. Um, I've heard that song. You're just wrong on that then. Uh, and then um, personal favorite is Happiness is a Warm Gun. Mm, okay. Love that song. I'll have to check that out. And then uh, also really love Oh Darling. Okay. And those are oh, some under the radar. One. No, that's a great uh, one. Because Oh Darling's choice. amazing. Good choice. Uh, but yeah. those are those are under the radar. Obviously, I prefer kind of the later Beatles as opposed yeah. to like eight days a week and I want to hold your hand. Well, so and that's what I was going to tell you. All growing up, great. all growing up. No, they're not all growing up. I <laughs> thought I hated the Beatles and my brother will tell you that I, I said they were terrible for years and years because the local classic rock station just played the early stuff. So to me for years and years, I thought it was just, I want to hold your hand and all that drivel. And then I realized I was completely wrong and couldn't have been more wrong and they're amazing. But anyway, right. that's a long story. I want to ask you another question, Adam. Sure. So now that our first project is over, what's your updated expectations and hopes for Motor City Gameworks? 
Um, okay, so I think Motor City Gameworks has a legitimate opportunity to really continue working in this loaded roll and write space effectively, uh, even to the point. And like I said, I don't want to. You don't want to jinx anything, and you don't no. want to like be overconfident. But um, I would be really surprised if there are not some larger publishers who are very interested in us as a brand or label or imprint that they can bring on as a part of their larger label. I'd be surprised. Really? That you think that would be a possibility? I, I don't know. I, if, if you're asking me what I think could happen, I think that could happen. Wow. I'd but take that. at the same time, I love the boutique thing. If they back up the Brinks truck, man. Yeah, man. And that's kind of how I feel. Um, I mean, this, from my we perspective. Can, we can easily just then switch over and pick another city and just relocate to Nashville and be Music City Game Works <laughs> and just do it again. That's right. Plan C music. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. The thing with me is this potential partnership we're talking about right now with Three Sisters has got my brains thinking like, and we didn't approach that. They came to us. And it's like, if we can get that attention, if we if we have this designs and, and we get people's attention, if that could be our outlet for the long tail on these games, I would not hate that at all. No, nope, right. Because that would be a low stress, kind of low logistic path for us. You know, if we could build this big buzz, um, you know, it's kind of inside baseball, but Kickstarter is great because you get a direct sale. So you're getting a lot more money on a direct sale than selling to distribution. So you get that big influx of direct sale. And then if you can do a partnership long term, like I would not mind getting into right. that cycle on a bunch of these loaded roll and rights myself. Right. The, the back end cycle is interesting because, I mean, all jokes aside, right? No one buys designers because they don't need to because there's a million other designers waiting to do a good job for you. They buy catalogs. Yeah. So when a company gets bought by a bigger company, it's because they're buying a back catalog that has guaranteed sales and Correct. therefore you can project accordingly. They're not buying Ben, Matt, and Adam because even if we're good at this, they still don't need us. That's just the reality of the situation. So what's interesting to, to, you know, to that point, though, I guess, is really – you know, whether we end up developing this, you know, with a multinational corporation, with an American company or whatever it might be, it's just how we, you know, are we, by the time we do Motor City, are we selling the second edition of Three Sisters? You know, potentially things like that, right? And that's how you keep this thing moving. Yeah. And avoid the reprint um, company sinking decisions. That is such, we talk about all the time, that is the single most difficult decision a publisher a smaller probably any publisher but definitely a smaller publisher can make because you get yeah. all excited man to hit that reprint you better have that you know quote-unquote guaranteed yep. demand for that right because nothing will sink you faster than putting all that money into the factory to reprint and then have them sit in adam's basement. and and especially i mean i don't know especially like for a, a boutique or small publisher like us that we don't have major marketing dollars. We don't have a marketing program, so to speak. We nope. have our own outreach and there's a possibility for groupthink where everyone around you tells you, yeah, people will want this, but yeah. they all already own it. Yeah. Right. And so you hit that print button. People are them. And, and then they there's have it. no one who wants to buy that right. actually. Yep. And then they're all in my basement. Yep. So Matt, are you ready to make all this happen? Yeah. I mean, we're going to. <laughs> It's going to happen. I, I think the part that, you know, it, it will be the most, you know, I don't know, scary is the right word, but, you know, it, is determining, right, what happens next. Because, again, Kickstarter makes this a little bit easier for yep. folks like us, right, for, for a couple of dudes or three dudes in, you know, greater Detroit area who want to do this. Kickstarter allows us to do it. 
because to Ben's point, right, it brings the money up front. It allows us to project bills, pay our, you know, not, we don't, we're not necessarily going to make anything, but pays for production, et cetera. It does all the things it needs to do to make the game happen. At that point, we could come to this six months from now. Uh, Kickstarter has been delivered. We've sold 3,000 copies, and that's all fantastic. And we've made whatever we've made is sitting there. We, you know, Whether we take it out of the bank and pay ourselves or we leave it there for the next project, whatever it might be, doesn't matter. What we can't say, and this has got a lot to do with who we are and where we are, is we can't say, well, how many people want this game now? And We would be guessing. We'd be guessing. And there's some established companies that have the ability to track, you know, uh, requests from game stores because you know here's the thing and this is the part that's most interesting to me as a consumer I love playing games I buy games I'll walk into our friendly local game store and I'll buy a game off the shelf because I want it mm-hmm. what I will never do and have never done is order a game but I was reading an article literally today that Jonathan Liu uh, posted about used uh, small bookstores small bookstores rely on that for a couple of reasons because it's a sale and because it drives them to know what to, what to stock so if they get two or three requests for the same book or book series then they'll because they can't stock everything because yeah. they're a 500 square foot, you know, boutique bookstore in downtown Manhattan. Well, they, you can't, so there's a million books released every day. So right. they have to, they don't know what to stock. So they've got to kind of guess and they, they can't compete with Amazon on price. So they don't need to stock, you know, the crown and throne series because you can get that off Amazon for four bucks. You're not going to come into their bookstore and buy it for 12. They need to sell that next level. And the game stores are kind of the same way in a lot of ways. So, Folks walking into a game store and saying, I want three sisters, and then letting that game store buy for them blows my mind. Yeah. Because I'll never do that. But I realize that that's part of that process, and that's what they need. So, in game stores, right? Game stores, too. They know that, hey, that sold very quickly. I need a couple more of those. They put an order into into retail or into distribution, and distribution stacks yeah. those up. So, And that's interesting, but our access to that data is, is, is about limited zero. to zero. Right, right? because yeah. we yeah. don't have that yet. Yeah. So that's the why you partner with someone that does have that. Yeah. Because they have the ability to say, we've generated 600 inputs, requests, whatever you want to call it, for this title. That should support a reprint. Because, you know, and, and again, getting into the, the math of this gets real scary with a reprint. Because, you know, Kickstarter, again, is, like Ben said, it's a direct sale. Well, when you're reprinting at that point, you're not direct selling necessarily anymore. Right. Now you're doing distribution. So you're getting, you know, 40%, 60%, 50%, whatever it might be of MSRP for a game that's costing you 20 or 30% of MSRP it's to make. It's costing you the same to print. Right. Yeah, you're not getting, you're not cheaping printer, you know, you're not printing cheaper the second time probably. Because unless it's a smashed gigantic kit and you need 15,000, you're printing another two or 3,000 at the same cost you printed for the first time. The only thing different now is you're, you're making so much less per copy. So you better sell all of them. Yeah, you know if you're gonna, and that's that that those decisions are what real companies, real real boys have to make, and we put ourselves in that position to make those decisions. And so we'll see how we do. Three sisters. I've got a couple notes on what's next. Yeah, and it seems pretty easy when I say it, and you're you know you're gonna do most of it. Um, we got our pledge manager, mm-hmm. man, pledge manager coming up with some yeah. late pledges yep. and people checking out. Then all we got to do is finalize uh, some files. We got to print. We got to ship. Equals profit. Equals profit. Sounds pretty easy when you yeah. put it like that, Done. right? It, it does. I mean. <laughs> I say for the folks listening that actually, and then the, find a global partner. And find a global partner, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, that's that's finalize, a whole other thing. Finalize the global partner. We're done. That's you right. got to find like one partner by country. If you don't pick a partner that already has you know global reach, then you're saying I need a Polish partner, I need a German partner, I need a friend, and all those are individual deals and contracts, etc. They all have to be negotiated separately, tracked separately. You know, you know what I can get you is about twenty five factories that want to quote the game. That is the easiest part. Holy cow! Yes. It turns out when you. 
on your website put a support you know a support button saying contact motor they're gonna City. find you 95 percent of what you get are well-meaning industrious people that uh, yep. want to quote your game so they're that's hustling, cool they're doing their that jobs is, i that's super it's... love it i, I do not hold it against them i don't that's either, great it's great they're going after it they and i appreciate that too i got i was not ready for how many no, though me neither <laughs> I got a lot of quotes, and I'm getting from companies I've never heard of. Yeah, and they did not quote it, but it's fine because I already have enough quotes. But it's awesome because you know, for next time, you never know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're the cheapest next time. Matt, I got uh, I got something to tell you. Yeah, I air fried two leftover hot dogs today. I believe it. Not even a new hot dog leftover. Like I got five kids, right? So we don't waste food. We eat every <laughs> leftover yep. ever. It's lunch. <laughs> you That's use just, all parts of the buffalo. We, we use all parts of the buffalo in my household. So it's so stupid because. I'll save a leftover hot dog. Put it in the fridge. Me too. Yeah. I've got two leftover hot dogs in my fridge right I now. I love you. This is a high five. Boom. Um, but I air fried it. And based on your comment the other day, Matt, that it could be marketed as a reheater, mm-hmm. you know, a leftover reheater, and it'd still be worth it. Those are the best hot dogs I think I've ever had. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I, I'm not. Listen, I. Reheated old hot dogs. I love a $5 large. I legitimately enjoy. <laughs> Little Caesars below average pizza. I do. It's it's to me. It's not an. It's not worse than your average round. If you're eating it, literally, what's going to burn your mouth? Yeah, it, right. It degrades so fast, super fast. Yeah, yeah it's like absolutely. radioactive degrading. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> the half life is insanely low. It's like fruity pebbles or cocoa. Yeah, yeah. It so it's you the, better get that it first now. bite's amazing. Yeah. The last bite. It is, is the awful. fruity pebbles of pizza. It, yeah. You've got to eat it so fast to maximize it. It was better. The next day, air fried. I'm Bam. not making that up. Bam! It added a little bit of crisp to the crust, which I actually don't love. I, I actually kind of like my. I'm a floppy crust guy. It was so good. Like I was the you know it, it, you couldn't save the outer crust because that's just it's just bad outer yeah, crust. It, it is. But from like tip to just inside the outer crust was mm. almost. I'm gonna say this better than it was fresh out of the uh, you know five dollar like large. Magic. It's like magic. Thing. It really it was crazy. Yeah. All right, so this is a tough question, but I was thinking of this on the way over. What is the board game equivalent of the air fryer then? And I'll give you a minute to think. I'm going to give you mine. My board game equivalent Mechanic of Mechanic or game? So I'll explain mine and maybe it'll tell you yeah. what I'm yeah. thinking about. Mine is the dice game. Because what an air fryer does is it takes something that was good and it makes it, after the fact, just as good or better than the original. So to me, the air fryer of the board game is the dice game. Because, yeah, sometimes the dice game's not as good, but generally it's a nice distillation of the original. It's a, it's a quick, just as good version, or sometimes like Fleet, even better. So Fleet Dice is the air fryer to Fleet. <laughs> so it's tough because what the air fryer has done basically is made me try to ignore my microwave. Yes. The problem is, so here's, where, here's, where I, it. It is. here's where I screwed up. We wanted the Instapot, and the Instapot's fine. We use the Instapot monthly. And by, by that, I mean once or twice a month, usually for rice, occasionally for, or for a casserole, and they're good. We and use I, ours for potatoes. Yeah, okay, I can see that it, too. It yeah. cooks potatoes so much faster. Yeah. And this. honestly, hard-boiled eggs. It's a great job on hard-boiled eggs. So I don't, I don't begrudge the Instapot. But as a air fryer reheater, the basket's very limiting. Like it's, it's like one piece of pizza with one on, one on a side, right? Now they have these awesome like poster oven air fryers. That's the one I got. And that's what I want. So the Instapot, like, because I'd rather have the better air fryer, like, you know, the yeah. horror, the, the pan-sized yeah, air fryer. ours is like a small barrel. It is, no, it's a fry basket, No, I cooked right? a pack of bacon in mine tonight. Yes. No, 100%. Yeah, you got to get that one. It's the best one. But the problem is I already invested in the in the Instapot. I tell you. I'm I'll not you, going backwards to the I'll air I'll tell fryer. you how to get rid of it because I accidentally broke our Instapot last week. <laughs> 
I pulled it out of the cupboard by the lid and it wasn't all the way screwed on. So it just went woo and broke into a million pieces on the floor. So just can, stage an accident and you can upgrade so the air fryer. I, I haven't successfully, I haven't even made rice properly with it yet. Like I posted on Twitter and I got all this amazing <laughs> advice from like, like actually, uh, Tiffany Ralph was awesome. She said, listen, we make rice every night and, and they were very helpful. You know, T- Tiffany was, and she, and they said, here's how I make rice. And I tried it and it, Almost worked. <laughs> so I'm so close to getting rice to work properly, and I haven't done it yet. The Instapot, I, I'll just say this. I'm thankful it was a gift. Yeah. Um, it was a gift. I'm glad we didn't spend our own hard-earned money on that because mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't use it enough. Um, it, first off, it's intimidating. It is. There are lots of buttons, and I never feel like <laughs> the display is telling me what I think it ought to be telling me. There is a weirdness and, there. And it's, and it, it's, it's like, almost like I feel like I'm sending a fax. Yeah. Like, to, in order to, like... I've only used, like, three of those buttons. Like, like, yeah, one like of the rest And the instruction so, book is no better. No, and, It's like, and it, just hit ribs and hope for the best. Well, and it's two what? hours of instruction yeah. book. I want to yeah. be clear. This thing is yeah. awful. And if I have to read seven paragraphs to find the GD number of minutes to air fry something on those stupid Google articles. I hate it. Like, I just want to find, you're tell, tell me how many minutes to air fry pizza rolls for. The preamble to the, the recipe preamb- is, is the worst. So long. If I could get rid of one thing on the internet, it's the preamble yep. to the recipe. <laughs> just give me the ingredients. That's what like, you're choosing. Yes, that's, awesome. that's it. No. The preamble to the it recipe's is. got, you know what's great on a, on a warm fall day? There's nothing like fresh peach preserves. People tell me all the time. Well, that Sharon my, and I were having some friends over. Can you just tell me how many peaches and how much sugar and how many times I got to boil it? Like, why am right. I reading five? thousand words no no it's a thousand words to see that it's four minutes at 350 yeah pizza rolls it's the worst because i don't want to over because pizza rolls you know they get crunchy and i want to oh, know yeah, like people can, i want to i want to have pizza rolls are awesome in the air fryer no they're, they're way <laughs> they're better so good. they are but i want to know because i, I want to trust someone else's experience like you tell me that it's four minutes i'm going to trust you because you took the time right to, to write a seven thousand word preamble to tell me that it's seven <laughs> minutes for pizza rolls so that i don't burn them and i appreciate that about you I just really need like a I need a find function. That I love will that show there's me. a preamble for pizza rolls. It, it should start with so I obviously don't care enough about myself <laughs> <laughs> because I eat pizza rolls a lot on a warm fall day That's when I am low on self esteem. <laughs> there is an overall aspect of the air fryer that needs to have that conversation. When the, with the, when the people who care for me and help me make good decisions are gone. Well, the way you, I'm on my own. Okay. The way you justify the air fryer is the same way I justified and every other dad that drove a minivan for 10 years. Oh, you can cook vegetables. It goes great with broccoli and asparagus. The vegetables come out so crispy. Well, you know you're not doing vegetables. Mm-hmm. It's like when I drove a van for 10 years and you told everybody, it's it fits full sheets of plywood and drywall, four by eight. Yeah, we haul lumber all the time. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I did it like three times. It was awesome. but <laughs> It was great those three times. <laughs> it was great. But mostly I was hauling five kids around. Same with the air fryer. I might have broccoli in it once, but mostly it's got pizza rolls. I'm not kidding, though, by the way. My tweet was legitimate. It was... A stadium grade pretzel out of the air fryer. Oh my gosh! Like I, did I mean, not need to know that. Emma loves those. Like they have a box of Auntie Anne's. Yeah. Oh. If, you, yeah, yeah. if you microwave them or oven them, they're fine. They're here's fine, the, but the way, they're, they're not good. Here's the secret to Auntie Anne's: butter. Yeah. They actually give you butter in the box for the Auntie Anne pretzels, <laughs> and then the in the salt that you dip on there. But the point is, air frying it made it taste like the stadium. Like it was, or made it taste like Auntie Anne's. I'm not kidding you. It was that good. 
I'm all in. Yep. That's impressive. Apparently, we have to try Milwaukee's. A, a Twitter person said to try Milwaukee brand, which I'll, I'll look into. So what I'm hearing from you is the board game equivalent is something that cancels other worse games. <laughs> Because the air fryer I, I is obsoleting right multiple. I, right, I think you're right. Okay. That would be the that would be the step. I mean, like I could be contrarian and be like that guy and be like the card game just yeah. to have another option. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, it's not usually as good. So let me leave you with another one, and then we're wait. Hold on, this I figured it out. Okay. It's Caverna. Okay. Because it yeah. it's just better Agricola, right? So the air fryer is just yeah. a better. I mean, it's smaller, but it's a better oven. There you go. So the next thing has to be right. They have to make an oven that has like a compartment that air fries. Yeah. Yep. Something that heats up to 400 in like 30 seconds. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I got one more thing for you. The game I've been playing the most the last month, like constantly, like daily, is that stupid game Strike that you get at Target for 20 bucks from Ravensburger. Have you guys played this dice game? Uh-uh. All my kids want to do is play Strike. It's like, hey, we'll play it and the loser does dishes type of thing. And me and Matt talk about this all the time. It's got the one rule that makes the whole thing work. So basically, you each start with five, six, seven, eight dice to an on player count. And you roll them in this cool little like tiered coliseum thing with a pad on the bottom so the dice can bounce out even. Right. But you're allowed to hit them off each other. And basically, all you're doing is rolling dice into the middle. And last person with dice wins so you're trying not to lose your dice if you make a pair you get to pull it out of the middle and bring it back to yourself and that's fine the what makes the game work though is after your turn if there's no more dice in the middle the next guy has to roll all his dice and that moment is like whoa and it's amazing every single time and if we could ever have that one idea dang we could retire it's so good i'm only familiar with it because of i think Rodney and is it the rolling dice taking names guys? I don't know. Some, yeah. some they had this crew. huge debate yes. over if it was a good game or a yes. bad game. I, I remember it from that. That's about it. That's well, the only... Whoever voted that it's amazing is absolutely right. Because I tell you what, <laughs> ages 11 to 5 and dad, it's dynamite. <laughs> I'm sure it is. All right. We're going to wrap this up. You guys played anything good lately? Um, I have played a ton of Seven Wonders. I've lost at a ton of Seven Wonders Duel. <laughs> I heard you're a very average player. I am below average. Um, I would like. I look up to average, uh, but thanks BGA for not saying that. Um, and when I beat someone, it's hilarious because their ELO score drops by like 100. eighty. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're like, "What just happened?" Bum, 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 bum. And it's basically like you just wah, wah. lost to the worst player on, on BGA. It, uh, so I've played a lot of that, and I've played a lot you of... You get a ribbon for losing to the worst player <laughs> of a given right. game. <laughs> I'm glad they don't that. have the, the bottom 10. Yeah. Like, I'd be down there. Uh, but hey, Matt cannot make the top 10 of Fleet, by the way. I can't. He can't Because I keep losing, which I was going to get to in a second. Go ahead. Um, I, then the other thing that I've been playing a lot of is I've played a lot of Puerto Rico lately. Nice. Love it on, love it on BGA. Love it. I, I need to play on BGA. I haven't yet. I've been playing... Uh, I've been losing to Ben's brother, Joe, in... Lewis and Clark. So basically, <laughs> the whole game, if you play Lewis and Clark in BGA, only one person gets a score. The person that crosses the finish line gets their spaces. So it's like 40. Mm-hmm. And Justin and I, the other the two dudes playing against his brother, get zero. <laughs> so every game is 40-something to zero to zero. And there's like a secondary between Justin to get a little farther than the other guy as we lose to Joe. And I, I haven't played it. An, I love that game. And I, mm-hmm. my couple of plays in real life I super enjoy. Ben doesn't love it. Our other buddies didn't really love it, so I haven't got to play it a lot. So I don't know what makes Joe so much better than Justin and I, but he's better. It's fun Dude, to find out, though. It that's is. What's and I fun. love it. I love when I when I love a game. It sucks. And I it. play someone in it, and they're obviously better than me at it. 
and I can't even figure out how. That's when I feel like they're playing chess and I'm playing chess. Yes, listen, there's a lot of games on BGA that I'll play, and I'll play against excellent, expert, whatever. If I sit down to a strong player on Lewis and Clark, I quit. Like if yeah. I join a game and they're strong, I don't even I won't hit start because yeah. they're going to smoke me because there's something I'm fundamental that I'm missing and I know it's in the it's in the deck building that they're doing better than me. And I, I actually I, I'm speculating a little bit here because I, I I'm not I'm a smart guy. No you know no false humility here. I can watch what's happening and kind of parse it out. There is a kind of an opening gambit where you got to build up some gray and and and, and uh, what is it? Grain yellow and do some card stuff. And there's there's things you should be doing that I'm not. I'm sort of playing in the spirit of what I want to do, not what you're supposed to do, which the good players do. So okay, so there are several scripted openings to Puerto Rico that are that they are the experts. It's swear a classic, by. And, yeah. and 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 it deserves to be subtle quarry like, build. It deserved yep. its top. It deserved its number one ranking for it ten does, years. It's a great game. It absolutely deserves it. It's it's beautiful. However. You can't escape those snobbish Puerto Rico players mm-hmm. on BGA either. <laughs> because there were two of them that I was in a game against, and they started talking about me on the chat like I wasn't there. <laughs> and like, like they were saying some pretty hurtful things uh, <laughs> about my play style. And, I was, and finally they were like, he did this, and he did this, and he did this. And I wrote, he's in the chat room with you. <laughs> That was what my sentence was. He's in the chat room with you. And one of the people goes, we're talking about you. (laughs) And I wrote, I'm going to give you a few more minutes. (laughs) And then after two minutes, he writes, oh, I see. You were being sarcastic. (laughs) And I was like, I was, because you were being a jerk. Like, like y'all are talking about me like I'm not here mid-game explaining why I've ruined your game of Puerto Rico. Were, were you crafting a lot? Come on. Yes, you were. No. Yes, you were. I've played enough to not craft every time. I crafted a couple of times. Right into a guy selling coffee, weren't you? And then he got the big No, yeah, I was, you did. No, I was playing with three other people, and I was crafting into the third-place player instead of the first two. And the first two were the ones having the conversation mm. because they would never craft. Of course not. They were winning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, I, because I do know how to play this game. I was good I'm at actually craft. Good I was at this too game. busy winning. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I do actually know how to play this game as opposed to Matt and Seven Lewis Wonders and Duel. Yeah. Um, right. and, and, or me and Seven Wonders Duel. But, but like I know, I know how to play and, and it, none of us would craft for like three turns and then I would need the coins. And so I was like, well, as long as I can hit this other player and not them two, that guy's going to be able to ship. I'll get to ship once. They won't because the boats are all clogged. And I was right on those. So they were just grumbling. Yes. You were playing properly. Correct. Mm. But it was, it was hilarious that they started talking about me like I wasn't there. Yes. I was playing. It's funny. What I love about the BGA chat is I appreciate that there's no expectation, right? I, I don't think people should have to speak in English or anything like that. But if you're playing against three USA flag players and you're French and you keep chatting in French and no one's responding, it's because we don't speak French. And I don't say that. I'm like So the, you know, we're chatting in, in a game of Welcome To and this person kept commenting in, in French and I don't know what they – I finally uh, trans, Google translated one of the comments and he was literally – they were literally like participating in our conversation. 
but I wasn't sure what the expectation was. <laughs> it was just kind of a funny BGA moment where I, I use the translate button a lot. Is there one on BGA? There is one in the Ooh. in the chat. It Man, shows oh, beside it. I learned something. I took it outside to Google because I was trying no, to figure you out. No, like, you're just supposed to hit translate. It gives apparently. you that little symbol next. That's to That's awesome. Okay, that's you good can to know. Click on that it. makes a lot more that's sense. Then their expectation is right. that you're smart enough to hit the translate button. I was it's not right there because I was trying to figure out like this person was participating like they were trying to because we were actually trying to clear up a rule thing because it was some weird variant. Now it is Google Translate, and so every now and then, yeah. Sure. They're like, that but is not what they, they were, just said. They were just trying to be helpful. We just weren't understanding. That makes sense. Either way, the point is, to finish the actual question that was being answered, a lot of Lewis and Clark and an absolute crap ton of Grand Austria Hotel on uh, Yukata. Is that over on Yukata? Yeah, it's the only game I'm playing on there, yeah. uh, and it's but it's all async. I have like 10 games going in. Can't do the time. async. It's the best. I just can't the do best. the async. I know... It's great and it's wonderful, and so many of my friends do it, and I wish I could play with them, but I just I just can't do async. Yeah. So I had a uh, speaking of what you've been playing, I had a uh, kind of a life moment where I realized I needed to do better things with my life today. Because in uh, January I signed up for a chess.com account because of Queen's Gambit, and I just mm-hmm. I got back into chess. Well, chess.com is where everybody plays. So I play these five minute bullet blitz, whatever they're called. They're five minute matches. Right. I've played nine hundred and fifty of them since January. Um, yeah, I got to start doing better things with my life. That's impressive. Every time I have five minutes, I'm losing at chess. On yeah, chess. that's <laughs> impressive and it's not bad. in it's a completely so good way. No, it's not good <laughs> like at all. I'm going to have to cold turkey Hearthstone quit or something like that. I did, actually. Bad. I did cold turkey Hearthstone. Yeah. Because I had... You know what happened to me? Is Now we're just way off the rails. Is that they announced that they're going to redo the core set. So basically, everything that you'd done for 10 years in Hearthstone, they were kind of redoing. And it made me lose my motivation. It says, well, I'll just wait till they do that. Like, this is three yeah. months ago. Like, I'm just, why am I playing? You know, just just to try to get to, you know, whatever, five diamond every month. Okay. And that's their, a fine goal. But. Their rate of expansion got too fast for me. Because you'd get yeah. in a groove, and then in three months, it's a new expansion. And I'm not going to spend 100 or $200 right. to get all the new stuff. I think they, they have to for players. I know they gets, do. You know, for they got to make money. I got yeah. it. And it, people, people don't like when the meta gets stale. But... I, I had it. So the point is, I intended to hop back on. I think they finally did release this new expansion corset thing. I, and I just haven't. So I haven't played in a couple months. But I like Hearthstone, though. So I'll probably play it again. I never got into that one. It's a good game. I mean, it's to Ben's point, right? Like, at some point, I mean, him and I were playing, not together, but I mean, at the same time. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I played 300 games of Hearthstone in January. <laughs> That's probably more than I needed to play. Yeah. You know, I probably could have done something else at that time. And, and part of, frankly, this Motor City experience probably cost me some of the time that I would have, could have spent playing Hearthstone, frankly. Um, and, and I'm also at the point, too, where, you know, like my household means that if someone's doing homework or watching videos, I'm not always able to use my computer. I have a very nice gaming computer that I built for me that is now a YouTube box as often as it isn't because Lily loves it because of the headphones. And, Anybody, I'll say, this, I'll say this to anyone listening. If you build a desktop computer, the rest of your family will use it because it's better than a laptop and it's better than their phone and it's better than an iPad. And it's so it's the best computer in the house. So it's like, who gets to be on the good computer? If you build it, they will come. Exactly. So yeah. the conversation is who gets to use the good computer at any yeah. given time. And I'm always last. So I was, <laughs> you, I was, no, dad, you get the TV. You exa- bum. Yeah, exactly. I get to play Hearthstone on my phone. Because the good laptop and a good computer or whatever are being taken. So the point is I have been playing less real video games and more Hearthstone. But then, you know. Well, hopefully, this is the year that we get face-to-face gaming back. I miss That'd it a great. ton. I do, There's too. There's so many friends we have not been able to see. Yep. Let a, no, conventions, but just game night. You know, we haven't had 
game night in a, over yeah. a year. It's been over a year now, and it it's, has. it's awful. Yeah, and we, we played it, a little bit and the beginning, I need but... it, and it's just awful that you know we've got you know six to ten friends we haven't seen in a year. Right, I, I miss them. I miss them like crazy, and I just can't wait to get back no, into it. I think we're at the point now where you know, speaking of game night, that we're probably a month away from the bulk of our game night folks being. Fully vaccinated yeah. and ready to go. I get my yep. second shot on the 22nd, and then two weeks yep. after yep. that, I am ready. I'm to... I'm at that two week point now. I'm yep. done. I'm clear. And, and you know, our nice. the general game night host, besides Adam, the other game night host was. I think he said his second shot was yep. this week. Looking so. forward to it. We all need it. Anybody yep. listening to this can commiserate with that feeling. Mm-hmm. We need our game nights back. It's just good for my mental health. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, boys, I think that is a show. Thanks for being here tonight. Love talking to you. Absolutely. If you're listening, thank you so much for all the support, you. whether you backed Three Sisters or you just tweeted or whatever goodwill. Couldn't have done it without y'all. You are the reason we're able to make these fun games. We're able to do this thing. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.